0: Welcome to Solutions from the Huddle, powered by Collaborative Solutions Group. We're discussing meaningful business and life topics to add motivation to your life and value to your efforts. Our show is hosted by certified professional CSG coaches who are often hired for private coaching, corporate training, and speaking engagements. Now, enjoy the show. This is Solutions from the Huddle, and I am your host, Titus part a lot of the show is powered by collaborative solutions group and if you didn't know what you tuned into it is solutions from the huddle for all of you that keep on coming back man we are so appreciative we're so glad that you guys love the show and that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we are going to bring another rock star to the uh, to the program if you've never been uh, a, a a fan of the show. If you never tuned in, uh, well, first of all, shame on you. I mean, what are, what is wrong with you? What are you doing with your life? But it, but but seriously, I want you to know that you've tuned into something to where all we do is find successful people, like folks that are significant, that are caring about making a positive impact, and that are bringing some really amazing, real world, personal and professional strategies and tips to someone just like you. That's what you've tuned into. Uh, Before we get to our guest, we start every show the same way, and that's in prayer. We'll do that again this time. So, Lord, uh, we just ask that you bless the show, the guests, the sponsors, just everyone involved. Let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in your sight, Amen. All right, friends, check it out. So we have Frank Macri on the program and he is the founder of Thriving Coach Academy. Check it out. When he started his own coaching journey, which was a little over seven years ago, Frank didn't have a ton of business experience and, and a large online following yet. Somehow he's discovered a unique process that's allowed him to take his business from zero to multiple six figures and before turning 30. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're out there listening right now and you go, that sounds like what I want. Uh, and, and listen, if you are past 30, we're not asking for birth certificates. Calm down. Okay. It's not too late, but Frank's figured out how to go from zero to where he wants to be. Uh, and, and, and maybe he can help you do that too. But he is, he is the guest of our show today and, and my new friend, Frank, thanks so much for being with us.
1: I just thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited for this.
0: Yeah, this is going to be so good. Hey, one of the questions that I start off almost every show with is do me a favor. um, I want you to talk about all the successes and the accomplishments and how you, you know, you do those things daily and what strategies we should all be taking note of. But before we do that, tell us a little bit about like who you are and where you came from, right? So before the success, there was a kid playing in a sandbox somewhere. Yeah, (laughs) right. Give us kind of the journey to help us get to the guy that we're going to get to hear from today. Where do you come from? Who are you?
1: Yeah. So literally playing in a sandbox because I grew up next to a park. So I was always at playground all the time growing up. Um, so, yeah. so who am I? Who am I now? I I am the founder of Thriving Coach Academy. It's it's an accredited coach training program. And we have helped, I've helped train and mentor at this point, over a 1000 coaches looking to not just become influential, but also have successful coaching businesses. And we've had many coaches pass the, the 10k per month mark. We've just had several cross the hundred K mark for the year. And I feel so honored to be on this journey as a coach. My, my story begins when I started my own coaching business about seven years ago, and I didn't know what the heck I was doing. So first of all, what, what allowed me to discover coaching was a lot of, a lot of dissatisfaction with the careers that I was that I was hopping from one to the next. So I just knew that there was a part of me that felt called to to share myself in a in a bigger way. I felt like I was here on this earth to make a bigger difference, but I just couldn't quite figure out what that difference would be or how I would put it all together, and of course how I would make a living doing it. And I always. Knew growing up that, oh, you can either do what you love or you can get paid to do something you're miserable at. But I couldn't quite figure out where those two could come together. So I just kept jumping from one career to the next, one job to the next, and nothing really stuck. And I knew that I didn't want to just let my life slip away, stuck in a cubicle all day. So I did a lot of inner searching and I picked up a psychology book one day and was so immersed. And I loved learning about the human brain and emotions and how it is that we could really live the most fulfilling lives. So I started to take some psychology courses and a lot of them were focused on really what was wrong with people. So mental illnesses and all these kinds of diagnoses. So as I thought about becoming a therapist or a social worker, when I got honest with myself, I realized I don't really want people to come to me with their problems all day. I thought that maybe would get a little bit draining. So one day I just discovered the term life coach online and everything just seemed to click. Uh, I, I felt like this was exactly what I've been looking for all these years. But once I discovered the term life coach, I had a couple of concerns. The first concern was Am I qualified to be a life coach? I am in my twenties at the time I was in my twenties and I had a lot of confidence issues because I didn't like to, I didn't like to speak publicly. Uh, I was always the kid that would keep my hand down in the classroom or hide in the background. I very much blended in for so many years Mm. of my life. And I also had a lot of insecurity around my voice and I I didn't think I had any value, valuable things to offer. So I questioned really who the heck do I think I am to be able to call myself a life coach. And then the other part of it was really the, the business side, having no clue how to find clients or grow a business and thinking that I needed this big network or an MBA or previous business experience. So no matter all these concerns, there still was my heart that was saying, no, this is what you're born to do. This is exactly what you're here on this earth for. And, and I decided probably for the first point in my life, just to really bet on myself and, and bet on that vision and just go all in with it. So I decided to get lots of mentorship and training and learn how to be a great coach. And then from there, I was able to grow my business without paying for advertising. I just used organic marketing and which just means like I was just t- talking to people about coaching, getting to know them authentically, building my practice from there. and then within within the first uh, within the first couple of years, my business passed three hundred thousand dollars. And I thought, what? How is this even happening right now? So, as my business began to grow and take off, and i was I was doing all kinds of coaching. I was doing life coaching, relationship coaching, executive coaching with organizations, group coaching. I was doing all of it. Uh, I started to develop some of a following of people that wanted to know how are you getting into this coaching thing what the heck is it how can I get started as a coach so then I started to train and mentor coaches and that's what led to what is now Thriving Coach Academy so we're an accredited coach training program and now we get people up and running we have a, it's a 6 month certification it's all online and and we've been able to help so many coaches get their businesses out there but what I love so much about being a coach is, aside from the, the the financial freedom that comes with it, and also the location flexibility that comes with it, it's really the impact, right? Like being able to just see the clients and see the shifts and the breakthroughs and see all the things that open up in their life. So I feel like coaching is the perfect career completely. I don't know any career that that really beats it. So I feel like there's really nothing else that could compare. And I'm so grateful to be a coach and just help like this next wave of thought leadership in the coaching industry and see so many coaches now take their businesses from just an idea to actually making it a reality.
0: Yeah. No, that's powerful. I, you know, for the folks out there that are listening that are thinking, maybe this is something I can do, or or maybe it's something that they've recently started and they're not getting traction in. Um, It sounds like, they themselves probably need to invest in themselves, right? And one of the things that I've come to know in in my coaching practice is that most of the folks, uh, Frank, in our industry, most of the coaches, they themselves are not coached. Um, You know, I, I, I started, so I, I'm a part of a lot of things that probably like you are, because it sounds like you you actually care about your own growth and development. But what I, I went into this industry thinking that that's what all of us thought, like every coach must be drinking this Kool-Aid um, because, you know, authenticity is so important. And then I, I found out that probably like seven out of 10 don't currently pay for coaching. Didn't go through any kind of a program. Don't have meaningful resources and tools. I found out that like most of them got fired on Friday and like started a Facebook page on, on Monday. And uh, and if they can communicate well, and if they do have some insight, uh, that'll kind of get you through Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, maybe on that first week or two. Um, and that certainly makes it a a noisy ecosystem for maybe those coaches out there that actually have put in the time and energy and have therefore the lasting power and can make an impact. What, what, do, you, what do you think about I mean, have you seen that? Is that part of the, the, the fuel that caused you to put this in place or, or, or am I crazy?
1: Oh my gosh. No, you're spot on. Where do I begin? I have so many stories <laughs> to say. So <laughs> firstly, I'm going, to ta- I'm going to talk about a non-coaching related story, and then I'm going to weave it back to the point that you're sharing. So I recently decided this year to learn the piano. And I've always loved music, but I've had this dream to learn piano for a while. And I remember when I bought my keyboard, I was thinking, you know what? I already kind of have an idea of how to read music because I grew up playing clarinet. So I could probably just figure it out on my own and, re- and read the music. And just why do I need to really invest in any kind of piano mentorship or training or coaching. And then I I thought, you know what? Let me just, let me just have a session, one trial session with a piano instructor. So I had the zoom session with this instructor and within, I'm not even exaggerating when I say within probably the first five minutes of her hearing me play. And she saw me on video. She said, very kindly, she said, your posture is completely wrong. Your wrists are too low. Your back isn't correctly arched up, your your hands are your fingering is completely wrong. And uh and this is where we're gonna start. So it was so humbling because it made me realize that we just don't know what we don't know. So yeah. had I decided to just go forward and learn the piano, yeah, I probably could have done it, but I would have built a terrible foundation and eventually it would have backfired because it would have yeah. started to impact my wrists and my back and everything. And I think when it comes to learning any skill, it's so important to really invest in getting training and mentorship, no matter if it's coaching or learning an instrument or learning a language, whatever it might be. So we don't know what we don't know. And that is why I think it's so important to, if you're looking to really become a great coach, to invest in coach training. And another thing I want to say about this is, yes, coaching is an unregulated industry. So anyone like you mentioned could just wake up one day or quit their job and say, you know what, I'm a coach now. And that's what I do. And I'm going to go make a Facebook page. But here's the thing. Those coaches, they rely on their life experience to coach clients. That is the only thing they really have to work with their Mm. life experience. Right. Mm. So what happens when you have a client that comes to you with a problem that you haven't resolved in your own life? You don't really know what to do with them. You rely on just intuition, right? So intuition might be really great for you as the coach, but it's, it's a terrible process for a client to go through because there's, it's very hard for them to put that together And also it's unreliable. So this is why when it came to me deciding on becoming a coach, I had to have a really honest conversation with myself around, am I really serious about this? Like, do I value this work enough to want to invest in it? And, you know, I believe that the best coaches invest in becoming better coaches. I mean, I still have coaches that I invest in today and, and I have have sessions every week with people that coach me and I am their client. Right. So um, there was a time when I was very, very early on. I was, I sh- now, you know, I, it's a little embarrassing to share it, but I thought I was going to go down this whole, just, I'm going to use my life experience. I'm just going to read a couple of books about coaching. I'll watch a few YouTube videos about it and I'm just going to wing it and take it from there. Yeah. So I, I found someone that wanted me to coach them and she got on the phone with me. And within within the first few minutes, I, things were going great. I had a whole list of questions that I was prepared to ask her. And I thought that I just had it all figured out. But then about 10 minutes into the call, she bre- she mentioned something that I just didn't know what to, what to respond with or what question to ask. And I started fumbling over my words. I started mm. pausing and she said, you know what? I think I want to end this call with you because I'm not really getting much from it. And she hung up oh. and that was humiliating for me. And I decided in that moment, I'm not going to, I'm not going to waste a single second further. Not getting proper mentorship here, and I also thought I'm not going to go the cheap route too. I'm not just going to buy one of these like become a coach in a day program or you know take a certification and you know a weekend and you're set. Like I want to really immerse myself to feed in, and I want to I want to become the best possible coach that I could be by really immersing myself in lots of mentorship and training. So when I decided to jump in and get. Coach training and invest in that, which was a little bit scary at the time because I was in probably thirty thousand dollars of debt. Um, I was really banking on this, but I I realized that, you know, if if you have a big mission in life, it requires big support. And I like to say that we deserve the best support we can possibly get if we ever you know have a big mission and realize it's going to require big support. So getting the training was so helpful because it allowed me to see all my blind spots and resolve them, but also give me that confidence to really show up knowing exactly how to support my clients and no longer use my life experience. So instead of using life experience, I relied on frameworks. I relied Mm. on tools that could be used time and time again. And I mean, yes, sometimes I weave in a little bit of life experience. I think it's okay for coaches to do that, but it's not, it's not the foundation, right? So that's why in the academy, when when our coaches get trained, they realize they can coach anyone on anything. They don't have to have experience at themselves. They can coach clients that are more successful to them because they understand how the mind works. And I think that's what really makes you know a, a good coach versus an exceptional coach.
0: Uh, Frank Macri, right here on Solutions from the Huddle. He's the founder uh, of, of Thriving Coach Academy. In fact, you can just go to ThrivingcoachAcademy.com and, and learn a whole lot more. But Frank, I love that you're talking about um the the real authentic human parts of this thing. I mean, the fact that you just shared uh, that that what you called humiliating phone call. I mean, what a breath of fresh air, by the way, because I, I can tell you, I talk to so many coaches that are just they, they're they're posting their highlight reel on social media, and they are, you know, in in our industry, you know, you have to look a certain way in order to even get the attention of someone. If you don't look like you have any success at all, that you've never done anything in life, it's very hard for someone to say. Um, what do you think I should do <laughs> when, when you, when when you yourself don't look like you have a clue. And so I think that causes folks to think, well, I've got to really put a show on and pretend and, and this fake it till you make it, um, mentality. And, and so for you to share that is probably such a breadth of freedom for some of the folks out there listening that goes, oh my God, I'm not alone in this. And h- how do you, how did you have the guts to really make the investment, not just the financial investment, but the time commitment when you realized I'm not good enough. And Mm. as a human, as an entity, as a life force, I'm good enough, but, but this is not worth paying for. And I, and I, I can't, fake it. Like it's not, it, that's not fair to my talent. It's not fair to my potential. It's not fair to yeah. my gift. It's not fair to my client. How did you have the guts in that moment to not just turn tail and go, I'm going to go sit in the corner and be depressed. Right. <laughs> Cause some people would do that. You didn't.
1: I love that question. There's so many things. So first of all, the, the calling to become a coach. Didn't go away. As much as I tried to shove it away, as much as I tried to ignore it, I think sometimes our life just keeps giving us signs, and the signs start out really small. They're like a whisper in our ear, in our ears, and then they just become these louder and louder noises until eventually the universe or God just kind of whacks us in the head with a two by four and says, "What are you doing? Like, Come this on is now. what you're called to do."
0: <laughs> Come right? on, right? Yeah.
1: So, so I think that our dreams don't leave us alone, and. Either we, either we, we, either we ignore our dreams and they become, they become sadness and disappointment and ultimately regret, or we honor them and they become joy and fulfillment and and satisfaction. So that was one was realizing that it's not going to go away. And, and I know that I'm not alone with that because so many of our coaches in the academy, they say, I've been, I've been sitting on the idea of becoming a coach for five years and it's not going away. And I realize I need to make it happen now. The longer I wait, the more I realize time is just slipping by. So that's one thing. The second thing is I had been living, this was a big one for me. I had been living at the effect of other people's opinions for so many years. And I didn't even realize that until this, this opportunity to become a coach kept coming up in my consciousness. So I had been living my life wanting to please other people and wanting to do it other people wanted me to do or what I should do because it would make others feel comfortable. And the thing around it was, I worried that if I stepped away from that, if I did something that went against other people's opinions that I would be judged for that. So here's what I came to. I re- I, instead of trying to avoid people's judgments, which I realized is really impossible, I realized that people are gonna judge us no matter what path we take in life. Now, that might sound a little bit scary at first, but I wanna share why I found it to be so liberating. So since people are going to judge you, no matter what, you get to choose which version of you you want them to judge. So they can judge the version of you that's playing small, that's not sharing your gifts, that's not going all in with your dreams, or you can allow them to judge the version of you that's going all out, that's, that's playing big, that's pursuing what you're called to pursue. And I say that since people are going to judge you no matter what path you take, you just owe it to yourself to allow them to judge the version of you that is going all in. Now, when I think about people judging me, I think bring on the judgment because I know that I'm on my path. I'm doing what I'm called to do. So I want people to judge that version of me. It's actually empowering now. And when I got over that whole worry about people judging me so much opened up for me. So I tell people when they're considering about whatever dream they have in their life, whether it's becoming a coach or pursuing whatever they want It's to do it because you're doing it. Like you want people to judge that version of you, right? So like, like what version of you are you living right now? And is that the version of you that you really want people to judge? Like, what would it look like if you really stepped up for yourself in your life and shared your gifts fully? And the third thing, can I give you one more?
0: Please. Yeah.
1: Okay. So the third thing was really rest. A A lot of people talk about, you know, follow your purpose, follow your calling. And I, I love the idea of life purpose. And I think sometimes life purpose could sound a little bit cutesy, like, oh, I'm just living my purpose. Um, it just has maybe a less of a serious connotation. But what I think, when I think about coaching and doing this work, I feel like it's it's more than just my life's purpose, but it's my moral obligation. It's my moral obligation. So I think when we have a gift inside of us, and we know that that gift can help someone, that it can make a positive impact on someone's life. It's our moral obligation to let people know that we can help them to put our voice or our story or our message in front of them and to invite them to receive that support. So when I, am, when I realize this is my moral obligation, I couldn't wait a second longer before letting people know about it. And that exploded my business because I got out of my own way. I no longer you know, would share about my business when it felt comfortable or safe or just talking to people that um, you know, I thought would say yes to my invitations to work with me. I just thought if I know I can help someone, I'm going to let as many people know about it as possible because it's my moral obligation to do so. And that was a huge turning point for me as well, to just really let that sink into my bones and knowing that this is what I'm here for, right? Yeah. Like if I'm not letting people know about this, then if I'm not letting people know that I can help them, how could I possibly help them?
0: No, that's powerful. I, I love that. Uh, you know, I, I oftentimes, so and maybe you'll correct me. Maybe you'll say, well, I disagree, or, or here's how you ought to look at it. But the the way that I've The way that I've dealt with when people come to me and say, you know, my living, what I'm doing for a living is not my purpose or my passion. Um, And they hear all these stories of when people say, if you do what you love, you never work another day in your life. And I think there's this crossroad scenario where there's a lot of folks. In the world, and, and many of which are in our, our industry, your industry, Frank, that that are leading and, and mentoring and guiding and coaching and and are influential that say that's true. And, and 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 then there's the other side of the coin, you know, where I tend to tell folks, um, if you love doing a thing and it's not attached to your source of income, it doesn't mean that you can't do the thing you love. Like if I love singing but only the people at church tell me that that I'm a good singer, then that may not be my gift. Like That might be what I love. It might be my passion. Maybe it is my purpose to sing in my kitchen. And I ought to find ways to inject that into as many places in my life as possible. how do you deal with folks that have a purpose that, that say, man, I am put on this planet to do a thing and I'm so passionate and I love doing it, but, yeah. but their, their skill, their talent um, is at a developed place that says this ought to be your hobby, or this ought to be the thing you do for, for, for love and passion. But maybe you ought to not quit your job tomorrow. Cause you still got to do this crazy thing called like, you know, pay your mortgage, right? Like I hear people every day that are like, I'm going to start a business or I'm going to do this because they're passionate. And I'm like, I don't want to kill that passion, but I also don't want you to be homeless on Thursday while you're trying to get good at something. Right. Yeah. How do you deal with the people that read a bumper sticker that said, if I don't do what I love, I'm, I'm doing the wrong thing. Quit on Monday. Um, is that, fun? is that irresponsible or am I crazy? Like, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Okay. This is so good. So a few thoughts about that. First of all, I do not recommend that anyone just quit their job if they're going to be unable to pay their bills and, and completely, you know, go into a place of what I would call insufficiency. So when, especially if you're going, you know, maybe if you're just trying to become a coach or pursuing some kind of dream you have, whether it be like a singer, like you said, or something like that, when you, when you put yourself under, I think there's positive and there's negative pressure. So I have a podcast episode called positive pressure, where I talk a little bit more about this. Um, have you ever heard the phrase "It takes pressure to make a diamond"? Sure, you ever yeah. heard that before, right? So I do think that there is a level of pressure that could be really healthy and that could really push people to really like, take the step forward and take the leap of faith. Like for me, when I was growing up, another music example, I was in you know the the orchestra, and we always had a concert every every winter and every spring. And we were expected to perform in a full auditorium with all of the, na- the community there. So there was a healthy amount of pressure because if we weren't prepared, then we had the whole community that was going to be lo- listening to us. And there was a date that it was going to happen. So I think in that case, the, the pressure was healthy. So I think sometimes when people are thinking of pursuing their calling, they're waiting for it to feel comfortable. They're waiting for their brain to tell them it's the right time or it's the responsible or the smart time to do it. And I do think that that could prevent people from actually giving themselves a chance. Mm. So I think you've really got to challenge your thinking. And instead of thinking like, when is this going to feel comfortable or smart or logical or rational, which is oftentimes just labels we put on top of fear Mm. that we instead ask ourselves, like, what, what if I lean into, like, what would give me the positive pressure that would nudge me forward? Uh, Like, again, not the negative pressure that's going to like completely tear apart your life, but just like enough pressure, that's going to give you that healthy level of stress. Um, yeah. Because if we, late, if we wait for all of our circumstances to align or the right time, we're just going to be waiting our whole life. There's always going to be family members to take care of or bills to pay or you know, errands to like attend to. So there's always things in our life, people or circumstances that are going to be grabbing at our attention. And I think there's something magical that happens though when, when we can put our, our life on pause and our vision on play. Meaning like, and I think it's a great question for people to ask themselves, like, how long have you been letting your life go on play? Like just doing the routine day-to-day occurrences and just letting life happen to you. And when was the last time that you put your vision on play? Like you really just decided to do something because you were called to do it. And, and usually that those decisions don't feel comfortable, responsible, logical, rational, or even smart. But but they are the things that open up our life to the next level, right? So there's always going to be that logical part of our brain. That's going to give us all the fears, but then it's also listening to our heart and deciding to go forward with that. And what I've seen, what I've seen happen with myself and others, like, like at the time when I was becoming a coach, I, there was a lot of things that was not smart about it. Right. I was in, I was in 30 K of debt. So many people would say, that's not smart. You should not be investing, you know, you know, another five figures into getting coaching education. Uh, many people would say, like, it's, it's not really smart. You're in your early 20s. You should be establishing your career before starting out and, you know, doing all, all these different things. You should just get more credibility and experience first. But I had to tune all that out and just tune into like, what's possible. What becomes possible when I just decide to, to lean into what I'm capable of? And I think that when we, when we give ourselves the chance, to go through with our vision, we get to discover that. We get to discover what we're capable of. If we just keep doing what's comfortable, we just reinforce a comfortable life. We just keep making comfortable decisions, which doesn't allow us to grow. So Hmm. I think that when we can make those uncomfortable decisions, we end up having a lot of discomfort, but that's really where transformation happens. And in terms of learning the skill set, like you gave the example of singing, I think that you know, every, it's it's like when someone in my in my industry would be the similar similar overlap would be when someone says, "Well, I want to be a great coach, but I don't think I'm good at selling," and people just think, "Well, are you a natural born salesperson or marketer or even a natural born coach?" And I do think that um, skills are just really like thoughts. It's all just under, understanding how our thoughts are, and we first got to start with the thoughts that it is possible right? We do have something unique and valuable to offer to the world. Cause I hear coaches all the time say, well, who am I to coach when there's someone like Tony Robbins or bill in the blank with any other, you know, big name in the coaching industry. And I think that everyone has something unique and valuable to bring to the industry. So the, a metaphor that one of my mentors shared with me is you might be the juiciest peach on the tree, but there's always going to be people that don't like peaches. Does that mean that you just stop? No, it just means you find people that love peaches. That's it. right. That's right. That's right. That's it. So yeah. it's not about like, if, if you are questioning whether you know, you're good enough, it's, su- it's such an interesting thought to consider. Like, well, it's either you got, like, what if you don't need to change your act? You've got, you just got to change your audience. Maybe you're just in front of the wrong audience. You're just in front of people that don't like peaches. So, you know, there's people that I see singing, and I'm like, "Oh my gosh! How could anyone even call this music?" But they have this massive following of millions of people. So that just goes to prove that, every like, there's there's people out there for you, no matter what it is about you. It's usually the things about you that make you so weird and quirky and different that become your your signature sauce or your special powers. Um, and I mean, from coming, growing up on Long Island, New York, in an Italian American family, um, I always found it fascinating that there are pizzerias everywhere. I mean, you can go to any kind of, you know, shopping or commercial district and you can find like five different pizzerias. And I thought, well, how is it possible? All these pizzerias are in business. They're just selling the same exact thing. It's just pizza, right? But there was always certain pizzerias that I would gravitate to. And everyone in my family had a different pizzeria they liked to go to. And if you're you're into like coffee, same thing with cafes it's essentially the same thing, but every pizzeria has its own flavor or atmosphere. Maybe the sauce is a little bit different, right? So I think with you as a person or an entrepreneur or as a coach, I think it's so important to remember that there's something about you that people are gonna vibe with, but we don't know who those people are until we put ourselves out there, right? So um, you can think about, like, let me ask you this question. What I'm curious to know for you, Titus, who is like a singer that or a performer that you discovered them one day and you were like, Oh my gosh, I've been looking for someone like this. Like, this is the type of music I've been looking for. I'm just curious. Like, who would you say that is for you?
0: Yeah. Wow. What a great, what a great question. I, I, you know, there is, um, there's a guy by the name of um, Danny, Danny uh, Gecko um he 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 went really far in america America's danny Gokey, danny goki yeah, yeah yeah he i i you know what what a great voice i mean there but yeah. i could give you i could say alicia keys i could say john legend there, there's there's yep. there's lots of music i love music so you're you're talking right to me when you start bringing that up
1: so okay so let me play with this so danny Gokey, by the way i saw him perform live cuz i watched that whole season yeah. <laughs> and so here's the thing and I want everyone listening to to consider this because I know some people probably listening are thinking of taking that plunge and t- thinking about jumping all in with their goals to become a coach or, or entrepreneur, or whatever it is. So you have this, this performer, Danny Goki, and you, you were looking for that frequency. You were looking for that vibe. You were looking for that energy that Danny has when he performs, even before Danny showed up to share his voice like that's something to really think about. So you were already looking for that type of music, right? And then he showed up one day and you're like, oh my gosh, this is what I've been looking for. This is the music I love. This is different from anything else I've listened to before. There are people in the world right now that are looking for your vibe, your flavor, your gifts, your energy, your coaching, whatever it might be. You have thousands of hidden raving fans that are waiting for you right now. So I like to tell all of our coaches, your clients are waiting for you. And oftentimes they go, what? What are you talking about? I'm just starting. The clients don't even know about me. I say, yeah, they don't know about you, but they're waiting for you, right? So all you need to do is just let them know I'm here. I'm your coach. I'm ready to coach you. And then like, you'll just see them pouring in. Like I remember Maggie, one of our recent graduates, she when she was getting started, she's like, Yeah, no, I'm not buying that, that your clients are waiting for you. I said, just try on the thought. So she did. And after our second training module, she did an activity that we we have our coaches do. And by the end of that weekend, she had a wait list of clients. She had a wait list. She had to start making a calendar because so many people were booking a call. And she's like, Frank, I didn't believe you at first, but now I totally see it. Our clients are waiting for us. So when you doubt your skills, when you doubt your abilities it's normal. I think it's totally normal to have a little bit of doubt, right? That just shows that you're growing. And just remember there's people out there that are waiting for you.
0: Yeah. I'm sure you guys out there are, we're waiting for, for Frank Macri to be on the show. Uh, we, we're not going to say goodbye yet, but we're going to take just a quick break. Uh, but on the other side of the break, Frank, I want to talk to you about, um, I don't even want to tell you because I don't want, I, I want to just hit you with it, but there's three things I wrote down Uh, that you said that I want to come back to that are pretty cool. So stay with us on the break. We just want to say a quick thank you to our show sponsors, um, the the folks that just say, hey, we want to stand with this thing. We think that what Solutions from the Huddle is doing is smart. They're getting talented people like Frank to be on the program, to unpack strategies, leadership, teamwork, mindset, the things that we need, the essentials to perform in life personally and professionally. So if you'll go to team-csg.com, team-csg.com, click on the solutions from the huddle tab and learn more about the 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 businesses like speedy oil change and like ms digital solutions like easy living technologies and all the other great logos go there click and uh, and if you know our brand you know we don't stand next to things that are not worth standing next to and so we're standing with those organizations we think you should too all right frank uh, so I wrote down three things that you said. Number one, I want to give you a gift. Okay, you ready for this, um, Frank? I don't know uh, if you've published a book or how many books are in you in this world, but you're going to be just go and write it down. And I'm saying it so that nobody can mess with you. And I already Googled and checked it out. You're in good shape here. You're going to be the future author of uh, our dreams. Don't leave us alone. I think it's the coolest sentence that you've said in this entire interview. <laughs> I think that. Um, I think we've done hundreds of interviews and we've interviewed, you know, Grant Cardone, big, you know, hundreds of millions of followers and celebrities and all this stuff. And, and, and I don't know if they've said anything nearly as cool as our dreams. Don't leave us alone. So that, that ought to be the title of a book and everybody ought to go buy it the minute he's done writing it. But I want you to talk a little bit more about that sentence. Um, tell me a little bit more about that, right? Cause it stirs something in me Mm-hmm. Uh, in such a special way, and and I would imagine that if if the folks didn't get stirred the first time that it came out of your mouth, their spirit got stirred. They just didn't know why. They didn't know what they were feeling. But I want you to talk a little bit more about that because I there are dreams right now that I have no doubt are <laughs> are annoying and persisting and bugging people because those dreams just simply won't leave them alone. Um, unpack that a little bit more for me. What a, what a sentence.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So our dreams don't leave us alone. Thank you for the book idea, by the way. I love it. (laughs) Um, I think that we are all called to be on this planet for a reason. I just have the belief so deep in my bones that we all have a special purpose on this planet and that we all have something unique and valuable to offer to the world. And have you ever heard of Bronnie Ware, she, was, she wrote The Five Regrets of the Dying. I don't know if your audience is familiar with that, but it's mm. one of the most fr- profound pieces of work that I've read. And just to give you the, the summary of it. So Bronnie Ware, is a, she was a pediatric, uh, not a pediatric, um, palliative care nurse. So she was sitting alongside people as they were taking their last breaths of life. And she did this for several years. And she would hear all of these stories. And eventually she started hearing themes. And she started to compile what those themes were, and they are now what is known as the five regrets of the dying. And I remember the first time I was hearing about these, and it moved me so deeply, and just because I just thought, I don't want to be on my deathbed, and I don't want to be having those regrets. I don't want to think, what if, right? So one of the big, biggest regrets of the dying was that people just like, settled for a mediocre life. Like they just kind of tolerated when they knew they were capable of so much more, right? Or just so many people just kept worked worked so much, like just worked these jobs that didn't fuel them or fulfill them when they knew that they were capable of doing work that really lit them up. right? so i, I what I think about is we all have this someday list. It's like, I'll get to that someday. And we all have it in the back of our brain. Like for me, it was, this past year was the piano. Like that had been on my someday list for so many years. I'm going to learn the piano someday. Right. And then I realized, what am I waiting for? This is the only life we have to live. Right. And I think with the pandemic, it's become more real than ever before, just how precious life is and how we really owe it to ourselves, but also to the people we most care about to pursue our dreams. And a lot of people sometimes worry it, 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 it um, it's hard for me to hear this when people say I still so want to go all in, become a coach, whatever it might be. But I'm just worried about the impact it's gonna have on my family. I'm gonna spend a little bit less time with my, maybe I'll spend less time with my kids. And I say, like, well, think I am not here like telling one how to parent, but I think it's an important question to think about. What example do you wanna set for your loved ones and your family? Right. And I remember I was talking to one of our now coaches. Um, Jules, she's a mom of three young kids. And she was really worried that if she, like especially big hearted people, they've got loved ones they care about. And they're like, how ah, about I have this dream? And it's like, I have to choose between my family or my dream, my family or my dream. I said, well, what if they're actually not as far apart as you think? What if you honoring your calling and your gifts is the best thing you can do for your loved ones? Because you're setting an example of what it's like to go after what it is you're called to do and follow your heart. And you're showing them, what it's like to just be an example of what's possible. And, you know, I remember like Jules was, it was like this emotional release. She was crying and realized, yes, that is the type of mom I wanna be. That's the type of human I wanna be on this planet, right? And when it's like your dreams don't leave you alone, it's like really honoring that, you know, everything in life, here's another like saying that I like to, to let people know, you're either choosing risk or regret in life right? Like in any given moment, when you're making a choice, you're either choosing risk or regret. So when people think, oh, I'm, I'm usually people, their fearful brain, they see all the risk involved with pursuing their dreams. It's risky. I might risk my relationship with others. I might risk the time. I might risk my career. I might risk whatever. But if you don't choose risk, you're choosing regret. You end up with regret. And I think regret is maybe the worst emotion to carry life with. It's just such a heaviness that burdens us down. And like Bronnie Ware discovered, It is what people, so many people have on their deathbed as they're taking their last breaths. So I encourage your listeners to just think about what are those things on your someday list? Like, someday I'm going to get to that when the time is right or when I'm ready, right? That was a big one for me. Just wait till you feel ready. And then I realized the most successful people start before they feel ready. They don't wait to feel ready. They start before they, they feel ready. And then they realize that the readiness just, it's always been there it's always been there all along. They just had to decide on it and go. Right. So think yeah. about what's on your, what's on your someday list. What's your brain telling you that you have to wait for. And what if you can just start before you feel ready? What would that open up to you? So when you, when you decide to not go down this path of when we, when I was saying risk versus regret, like when you, when you decide to pursue risk, I think you realize that, you know, the greatest The whole idea of risk, it's kind of an illusion because the greatest risk that I think we can take in life is the risk of not betting on ourselves, the risk of just tolerating a mediocre existence. So this is one of the biggest things that probably I see holds a lot of people back is some people from becoming a coach. So like, well, life's already good, right? I think that all the energy that we put tolerating good could be spent creating great. Like all the energy we put on tolerating the mediocre could be put on, can be put on like cultivating the magnificent. So like we owe it to ourselves to just give us that chance to go all in and, and realize that like our dreams are never going to leave us alone. Like we're either going to choose risk or regret. And I've never heard a single person that regretted going after their dreams. I never heard a single person regret that.
0: Yeah, man. You know, I, I can, I can hear the passion in, in what you're saying. And it makes so much sense to me. Uh, you know. The, I look at it this way, uh, our dreams don't leave us alone. That's what I wrote down. Uh, But I also, I also wonder, like, I want to challenge every listener right now. If you've, if you're in your dream, if you're living your dream, if you're, if if the fact that it didn't leave you alone and then you did something about it, um, or maybe that hasn't happened for you yet, but what it sounds like you're saying is whether, whether you're in the dream or not, the dream didn't or isn't, or, or won't leave you alone. I wonder if, if every listener took a moment and, and wrote a thank you card, what that would look like. Like imagine if we wrote a thank you card Mm, to our dream and just said, you know, Thanks for not leaving me alone. Thanks for not leaving me in the ditch. Thanks for not leaving me on the side of the road. Um, you know, we, we we tend to think that someone that is pestering and bothering us, right, doesn't leave us alone. What a negative way to look at it. I wonder if we looked at it and said, what would, what would have happened if my dreams would have left me alone? You know, where would I be today? And, and maybe the fact that my dream isn't leaving me alone and I may not be in it right now, um, uh, thank God, because so many, I, we probably can. There's a long laundry list of folks that did leave us alone, that, that did leave us on the side of something, um, that, that gave up on us, maybe. But our dream doesn't seem to be one of those. We ought to write a thank you note. What do I know? He, he, you know, I, I love the the regrets you talked about as well. And I, I wonder if people started living the kind of life that you're suggesting, Frank. If maybe then they wouldn't have the the regrets of I wish I hadn't worked so hard, and I, I, I wish I'd had the courage to express my feelings and and stayed in touch with my friends, and, and 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 the courage to live my true self, and and that I, that I wish I, I, I'd let myself be happier. Those were those re- regrets you were talking about. I wonder if we took your Advice, yeah. would we then not have to say those regrets in our last breaths? The last question I want to ask you, because we're running out of time here, but you said two other things. So I'm going to just package them into one question to give the audience just, just one more shot in the arm, you know, uh, uh, injection here of the, the greatness that's coming out of Frank uh, Macri here. You, you said um, that sometimes we put our vision on pause uh, so yeah. our life can be on play. And, and the toggle switch almost that I visually see as you speak about that. And then you also said, try on the thought. What a cool, creative, fun way of saying, give it a try, uh, be open-minded. I love the way you, you express those two points of perspective. Unpack uh, for me in case they missed the toggle switch. Can we both Can we have our vision on play and life on play? Or does one have to be on pause in order for the other one to be on play? And then, and then unpack try on the thought, just what a cool way, such a, such a, such a cool vibe on how to communicate yourself, I think.
1: Yeah. So I, I have another podcast episode on this, it's called vision force, and it's a concept that I created after hearing so many stories about how people were feeling this conflict between their life circumstances and their dream or their vision. Right. And for many people, they're just living out their life, doing what they're supposed to quote be doing or what they should be doing, right. Yeah. Or what feels responsible yeah. to be doing. But oftentimes like that just becomes a clever way of, of, of disguising fear. Okay. Come so, on. yeah. So it's so important that we've actually got to force it. We've got to inject because our, our brain's going to tell us, but wait, what about this? But what about that? but you got to wait. So that's resolved. Right. And I just, I kind of visioned my life unfolding when I was jumping in to become a coach. I saw, I saw one, one version of my life unfold before my eyes. And it was me deciding to wait, me deciding to wait until I built up my career. And then I saw, well, then I'm going to, you know, be settled in a, in a marriage and then there's going to be starting a family and then there's going to be, but, but you know, I got to raise the kids. I got to make sure like the kids are taken care of. And then I saw, you know, my kids aging and I thought, all right, then I would be ready. No. Then probably my parents would be at an age where I'd have to start taking care of them. And before I knew it, I was just like, my whole life is going to slip away if I don't decide now, right? To take action. And no matter where you are in life, it's never too late, right? It's never too late. So that's why I think that there's a force that's required where we've got to actually say, you know what? I am no longer going to let my circumstances determine the outcomes of my life. I am no longer going to let the that's circumstances good. of my life determine the capacity that I have to grow and change and evolve as a human, okay? So that's a question I just love posing people with, is what if you just put your life on pause? Like, it's not gonna go anywhere, and you can just put that vision on play, even for a little bit, right? And here's what ends up happening. I love your, your question around, can you have both playing? What ends up happening is when you put your vision on play, your life is always there anyway, right? You'll realize that the people that you were so worried about, they're fine. They're gonna be okay. Right. Like every not the world's not gonna collapse. But I think we owe it to ourselves to really decide intentionally, like I am going to really pursue my vision. I'm doing this, I'm doing it now, I'm I'm gonna make it work, and I'm gonna be okay. And whether I, I could tell that like I know that like a lot of your listeners, and I know you, and I I myself am really connected to like something something a greater force is outside of ourselves as humans. I believe that when you commit to your vision, when you take action, when you say yes to yourself, when you send that, when you signal that into the universe or to God, you are given all the resources you need to thrive. The universe and God just, they line everything up for you, but you can't realize that until you start. It's like when you're placing an order at a restaurant, if, if the waiter or waitress comes up to you and says, what do you want? And you're like, I don't really know what I want. They don't know what to cook up for you in the kitchen versus when you say, here's the life I want to have. I think that's how life works. That's how spirit flows through us. Like, all right, you want to be a, a six-figure coach? We're going to get to work on that. We're going to start aligning yeah. you with the people, the resources, the mentors. I mean, I believe that when the student is ready, the teacher appears, right? Yeah, come so on. I think, like, just, you know, just the, just having the person in front of you or hearing their voice alone is enough of a sign that you're ready. You're ready. If you weren't ready, you wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be listening to this right now, right? Okay. Yeah, so may, that's maybe force. we,
0: maybe we need to have the kind of mindset, you know, I'm sure there's times that folks say, I'm not going to look good in that shirt. Uh, that scarf ain't, ain't going go pop. Um, but when no one's looking, maybe they tried on the fedora. Maybe they tried on that coat. And maybe it's time to not be so close-minded. Maybe it's time to try on that thought that uh, that, that Frank just suggested to us. Hey, listen, uh, folks, I, I'm going to encourage that you take note of of podcast number nine and 10. That's vision force and positive pressure. Make sure that when you go to thrivingcoachacademy.com. Check out podcast number nine and 10. Those were the ones that Frank referenced. You probably ought to do yourself the favor of digging deeper. Hey, Frank, uh, what do folks need to do to continue the conversation with you? Let's say they listened to the show and they thought, man, we thought that, that we were going to like this Frank guy, but then we we listened to the whole show and we, we went from, I think, to I know for sure. How do they How do they have a continued conversation with you? What are the steps they should take?
1: Sure. So they can check out the, it's called the Life Coaching Secrets Podcast. It's on all major podcasting platforms, Life Coaching Secrets Podcast. They can check out those episodes. And if your listeners want to, if they're looking to up-level their coaching skills, maybe maybe they're looking to become coaches or they've been coaching, but they're wanting to take it to the next level. Um, we do have a VIP guest access that gives people a sneak peek into our coach training program. It's totally free. And they could get that by going to thrivingcoachacademy.com slash VIP.
0: Thank you, Frank, so much for being on the show. We hope that you had a good time. We hope that you'll come back. Yeah. I would love
1: it. Thank you so much for having me, Titus. This has been amazing.
0: Hey guys, Titus Bartolotta here with Collaborative Solutions Group. I just wanted to say thank you for listening to this episode of Solutions from the Huddle. If you want to hear more episodes and continue supporting our show, simply search for and subscribe to Solutions from the Huddle on any major podcast platform. Thank you again, and we hope you'll join us soon.